electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I keep telling you in this market, Good news is bad news. And sometimes bad news is also just plain bad news. And that's how you get a day like today where the Dow plummets 349 points. We at one point is much uglier. S&P plunges 1.45%. And the Nasdaq nose dies 2.18% on strong economic data. Because strong data means the Fed will need to keep tightening and maybe tightening aggressively. On top of that, we got a very, very problematic earnings report from Micron, the big commodity chip maker with far-reaching markets, and that is just plain negative, too. Remember what's supposed to happen here. Let's step back. What do we want? We have America's largest service economy, right? That's what we're not manufacturing. We're a service economy. and We're a spending economy. The Fed wants to slow that spending down. But when it sees we had 3.2% GDP growth last quarter, that was revised up from 2.9%. That was this morning. And we get fewer than expected jobless claims again this morning. It shows that j war on inflation has still got much longer way to go than we thought. People aren't spending less. They're spending more. Mortgage rates are actually going lower, too. That's not supposed to happen when the Fed wants them higher, or at least to slow down the purchase of housing. And that's why all this seemingly good news for the economy just turned out to be plain bad for the market. But when it comes to individual companies, bad news, well, it's just plain bad news, which brings me to Micron, the chip maker that reported it a very, uh, okay, it was an awful number. They also made it clear that 2023 will be ugly, too, next year already, because things are as bad as they were now. They have to go back to 2008 to see how bad. You never want to hear a comparison to 2008. Now, this is a really important company. Micron's chips are used in cell phones, computers, data centers. All three end markets are as weak as they've been in ages, even the third data centers. 
because we've got too many PCs, too many phones, and now too many data warehouses for the cloud. The demand just isn't as great as these companies thought, in part because in the case of data centers, which have been a booming market, a lot of the problems are in gaming and in advertising weakness. The customers just don't need more space. This wouldn't be so bad except that technology is so huge. Now, a lot of people don't understand the way the stock market works. It's a breakdown of how much in the S&P a, a sector is. And right now, 26% of the S&P 500 is in tech. A decade ago, it was only 19%. Back in 1995, it was less than 10%. These days, tech's huge with gigantic market companies that really do control this market in a lot of ways. Even after an awful year for the sector, these sectors are still too big. So when a good company like Micron tells us that every key area is weaker than we expected, it reverberates throughout the whole market. Just because the issue isn't Micron. A lot of the problems they have are its competitor Samsung from Korea, selling below market prices, really wrecking any near-term hope for a comeback. But even if this hideous quarter from Micron would be something we could handle if the Fed were winning its war on inflation. At that point, at that point, what would happen is the Fed would take the break off the, uh, the, the well, they would stop trying to slow the darn thing down. And maybe they would even tap the accelerator, breathe new life in the economy. See, we actually wanted to go so far as to slow it and then make it go faster. We're not there yet at all. Yes, the Fed's making the least, least progress on this front. And the one it's most worried about, that it's not doing well at all, is wage inflation. They want to soften up the labor market, and it's just not happening. Not at all. Not at all. And you're going to hear it later from paychecks when we talk. It's very rare that there are places where, the, where wages are being held back. Last night, I told you the market could roar as long as we had no central bank-related news and we got good earnings from quarter quarters from like companies like Nike and FedEx. But if we have to worry about the Fed and we're getting bad earnings, well, that's a very different story. This morning, my friend David Tepper, a great manager, great money manager, came on Squawk Box, where he pointed out that inflation is not under control, which means the Fed's not done and neither are the rest of the world's central banks. Last week, Christine Lagarde, the head of the European Central Bank, and a very smart person, told us she might have to do at least 350 basis point rate hikes if things don't cool down. The Bank of Japan just indicated that it might have to tighten, too. The Bank of Japan, all these central banks, a lot, they own a lot of bonds. They could dump their bonds. That's going to push up interest rates. Every time you see hot economic data, like the revised GDP number or the strong jobless claims, it's obvious that the Fed will have to keep bringing... The House of Pain. Along with its compadres in the rest of the world. Now, I try not to be too binary in my thinking, because this is a weird moment for the economy. But Wall Street's perspective is very clear. The bull scenario is that employment gets weaker, spending declines, and corporate earnings don't get hurt too hard. The bear case is that employment stays strong, spending stays strong, and the earnings still get hurt. Again, that's, that's from the perspective of the stock market. If you don't own stocks, the bear case might be better for you. Today, David Tepper laid out the bear case. And, you know, by the way, he's genuinely a very smart non-perma bear. He's someone who's always looking for opportunities. But right now, he doesn't see them. So he's leaning short. That's a term he used. That does not mean he wants the market to go down or he expects to go down big. It's just that he just doesn't see as many opportunities to make money on the long side. Believe me, if Tepper started seeing mass firings and lower prices, including stock prices, he would turn bullish on a heartbeat. But neither the markets nor the economy are cooperating right now. And he would like to see interest rates come, come down 
because of a slowing economy, not because of a short-term blip. All day I heard people say that Tepper caused the sell-off, like he's the Grinch who stole Christmas. But he simply stated the facts on a morning where the data was very bearish. Jobs are strong, wages are strong, and the economy is strong. But earnings in the larger sector of the stock market, tech, awful. Hey, by the way, at the same time, electric vehicles, uh, that other engine of hope, they're stalling out as even the same that Tesla is finally offering discounts. In the past, Tesla didn't even need to advertise, let alone cut prices. For Wall Street, it's an unholy situation to see the great retail stock that is Tesla wither on the vine. What gets the market back on track? First, we need to see data that confirms weakness in the economy, real weakness, lower GDP numbers, larger jobless loss, loss claims, and yes, sadly, mass layoffs, and especially in technology, which is way overbuilt and way too bloated. A big part of the problem here is that so many tech outfits don't seem to understand the business cycle. Old-fashioned industrial companies, boy, do they ever know to hunker down. I mean, they know how to really quickly ahead of recession because they've seen the movie before. Retailers get forcibly hunkered down through layoffs and store closures. But for the most part, we're a service economy, which includes a monster amount of tech that's fueled by advertising and consumer spending. Many of these companies are clueless when it comes to firing people. They've never been disrupted before. They were the disruptors, for heaven's sake. Now suddenly their customers don't need them as much, and they don't know what to do. We on this show want a soft landing, but the Fed can't give us one unless the economy gets weaker. The pilot can't land the plane on the tarmac safely if the Fed can't stop the engines on time. And that's what happened today. Now, a word about this fellow David Tepper. If the economy were running colder and the stock market were lower and interest rates were higher, but then headed lower, things would be different. Today, we didn't see that, though. We had the worst of three worlds, hot economic data, weak corporate earnings, and an honest broker calling out that things are going the wrong way for the stock market and for bonds worldwide. If we do get mass layoffs, they can crush wage inflation, which is the real issue, not commodity, but wage inflation. That's a different story. But today, we got some extremely low jobless claims, which means wage inflation is out of control. Of course, if you remember, market historian Larry Williams says that today and tomorrow are the best times to buy stocks ahead of the Santa Claus rally that tends to hit almost every year. Last night, I thought maybe that rally came early. But after today, that's truly not the case. While we could still get that seasonal bounce, obviously, the market's got been tougher to gain. In the end, I don't know about Santa. The truth is, we're already beating inflation aside from wage inflation. I worry, though, that that's not good enough for the Fed, though. They probably won't stop until we have a lot more unemployment, and apparently that might take much longer than we thought. So let me give you the bottom line. Do not shoot the messenger. David Tepper didn't need to steal Christmas. It would have taken from the bulls. It was the data that did, and the central banks that don't seem to know how to finish their job. Let's go to Jake in Florida, please. Jake. Hey, Jim. Thanks for the call. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Jake. What's up? Hey, as the tech industry is adjusting, wondering if this stock could be a buy at its current price, the company is Dell Technologies. You know, this is a really interesting story because obviously the man behind Dell, Michael Dell, is one of the smartest people on earth. At the same time, it is a technology story. 
and tech is just not the place to be. I think you have a very inexpensive stock in your hands. Can you wait a year? If you can wait a year, I think you're going to make very good money there. Let's go to Dan in South Carolina. Dan. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, Dan. What's going on? Um, the reason I'm giving you a call is that, uh, uh, you know, I, I am a club member and I have been following yes. closely over the last couple of months. And, uh, one day I believe that you mentioned Walgreens Boots Alliance, not as a focus, yes. but you had mentioned it, you know, just in passing. And I was looking up some of the stocks that you were, that you had were talking about, uh, that were good, good buys. And I, you know, when I pull it up, it, it shows me four or five other stocks that are in that, in that grouping. And I looked and I saw Walgreens Boots Alliance and um, I said, you know, this looks like something that's interesting. Um, they, they pay a 4.8, 4.9% right. dividend. Yes. Um, and uh, they've been down a little bit as the rest of the market has. They're not a superstar earning stock, but, you know, with a good dividend, I think they're a solid company. And I think they the last are. four quarters... They beat well, but, uh, but, but let me just, I don't mean to interrupt there, but you know, they have a 5% yield. I did, I'm interested because they have Ross Brewers running it, and I remember her at Starbucks, how terrific she is. But the one thing I would say is that eight times earnings, retail not doing that well, and they've got to fix this problem where you can't get into the different categories because there's lock and key on everything. And my Walgreens has become impossible to go to, just impossible. I'd rather go to Amazon. I feel like it gets there faster. Let's go to Craig in Illinois, please. Craig. Hi, Jim. Love your show, by the way. My Thank question you. Is, my question is, do you think Walmart would buy Zest EchoArc uh, to gain the patents on the Zest Fest product? Um. Okay, uh, let me I, uh, let me just speak to Wal- to Walmart itself. Uh, Walmart, very inexpensive stock. Uh, I've missed. I've I've had trouble calling this company uh, correctly because it's a 23 times earnings, but it's a great growth vehicle. I have said stay away from retail in general, other than Costco and the discounters, the full time discounters like TJX, and that's all I really want to do. Okay, all right. Listen, I urge you, don't shoot the messenger. David Tepper didn't steal Christmas from the Bulls. Sometimes bad news is just bad news, and hot data is too hot data. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, Paychex has its finger on the pulse of small business. So where do we stand with the recession fears looming? They've got some great comments on it, so I'm going to talk to the CEO. And egg prices, I know, you know, they've surged on the heels of a bird flu breakout impacting millions of chickens and turkeys. I'm learning more about what we're doing to fight the disease and why prices are going up with the head of Zoetis. And Smuckers recently held its investor day, highlighting a host of impressive metrics going into the new year. I'm breaking down the headlines of the company's top brass with a stock that hit its 52-week high today. So stay with Frankfurt. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. On a daily today, even companies that report good quarters are guilty until proven innocent. Just look at paychecks. The payroll processor, human resources outsourcer, mostly focused on small, medium-sized businesses. This company's in a tricky situation. On the one hand, paychecks becomes more profitable every time the Fed tightens because they collect interest on payroll money while they wait for you to deposit. On the other hand, though, they're ultimately levered to overall employment, which is very strong right now, but could turn really ugly if the Fed keeps raising interest rates because employment's strong. This morning, Paychecks reported a solid quarter with inline revenues better than expected earnings. Gave you a very good forecast. However, management also made some comments about moderating client employment level. Bad news if you own Paychecks. We got to drill down on that. But good news for the Fed. About the only good news for the Fed on an otherwise very discouraging, red-hot economy day. Remember, Jay Powell will stop at nothing to cool things down these days. Paychecks has a fabulous long-term performer, but it's a tough stock to recommend if you think labor market's about to fall off a cliff. That's why we need more clarity. So let's check in with John Gibson. He's the new president and CEO of Paychex. Took over in October to get a better read on the quarter. Mr. Gibson, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, it's great to be with you. Well, thank you, John. Uh, first, I, I want to talk about the numbers because sometimes the street misle- just doesn't understand them. The stock was down four immediately. This was a very, very good quarter with excellent revenue growth. And I want you to give us the components of why you were able to beat the estimates so handily. Yeah, you know, Jim, it really was a solid quarter. And you said in revenue and earnings, we beat by four cents. Uh, We've raised guidance uh, for the full year as well. Really on strong sales, we had a record second quarter sales revenue, continued growth in our HR outsourcing businesses, double digit, continued growth in our digital offerings, double digit. Uh, We're we're certainly seeing uh, strong demand for our products and services that are resonating for our clients. Now, what about uh, business originations and number of, em- of employees, the lo- number of employee lives under management, highest? 
Yeah, so, so when you look at it, certainly uh, business starts are down, but they're still well above pre-pandemic levels. Remember the last two years, we've had historic levels of new business starts. When you look at worksite employees in our HR outsourcing business, that's growing by, by double digits. Again, we just hit a milestone this past quarter. We now have two million of our clients' employees under management by our HR team. Um, and that just continues to resonate. You go back uh, to fiscal year 19 for us, um, that's up 72% since then, and we had a year in COVID at 3%. So we're seeing a lot of growth in the employees under management in our HR outsourcing business. All right. Now, at one point, your CFO, your uh, senior vice president of CFO, Efrain Rivera, said something that did, was disconcerting. He said, uh, Brian, uh, that as we've looked at quarter over quarter, you continue to see a pace that is moderating versus the previous quarter. I think that's the trend we think continues into the end of the fiscal year. So while it doesn't represent a sharp departure, we still see continuing signs of moderation as we go through the year. Now, that did freak people out. Now, was that just something that you uh, recognize as they raise rates can happen? Or is that something that's a pattern that you're very concerned about? No, Jim, I think what we were talking about there is, is we're talking about the number of checks. Um, as, as you can imagine, we a year ago had a lot of hiring going on. People were very underhired. If you remember the Great Recession, that wasn't too long ago. Um, and people were accelerating. So uh, if you look at the comparables quarter over quarter, we had a lot of accelerating hiring and growth. People have got fully staffed and now they're moderating and they're being cautious about adding new employees. So when you look at our job index, what we're seeing is moderation, not deceleration. All right. So if you're the Fed and you've been raising rates, do you think you would look at paychecks as business and say, you know what, uh, we got to slow this economy down. There's still too many people getting raises. There's still too many people who are employed. There's still too many jobs that can't be filled. Would that be uh, what Jay Powell would uh, take away when he listens to you? Well, no, I, I think I think what the Fed needs to think about is that the rates, the increases they've been having are having an impact. We've seen actually for three months in a row in our in our wage index, a moderation in wage inflation. And so what we're now seeing is we look at it with small businesses where they were worried about hiring and retaining. That's still in the top three. But the number one issue right now is inflation. And now we see funding coming in. As you can imagine, as interest rates goes up, the cost of funding and capital for small businesses increases. And that's why we're seeing them gravitate to us for our digital offerings to drive efficiency. We're spending a lot of time with our clients, helping them get the employer retention tax credits. Um, we've already helped 50,000 of our customers get uh, billions of dollars in assistance. And so those type of programs are something I think policymakers need to be thinking about as they're trying to tame inflation. Well, are you surprised that with the uh, very aggressive, most recent rate hikes, that more businesses that you deal with aren't faltering or even closing? Well, Jim, I, I will tell you, a small and mid-sized businesses are very resilient. They're very flexible. You know, keep in mind, they were very uh, underhired. They were figuring out how to do more with less. They were driving efficiency uh, all the time. And so what we see is a very resilient small and mid-sized business owners are figuring out how to use our technology. They're trying to figure out how to do more with less. We're seeing the number of hours worked by their workers increase. Uh, the last month was the highest we'd seen uh, since back in March of 20. And so what we're seeing is small business, small, medium sized business owners know how to squeeze the most um, out of their business. And they're doing that successfully. 
Well, to me, I don't know. I mean, I, I know the Fed has to do what it has to do. But when I listen to you, I think we're in a reasonable course and it's going well. They should just stay that way and not push us over a cliff. I want to thank you, John Gibson, President CEO of Paychex, for another great quarter. It's great to have you back on the show. Great to be here, Jim. Happy holidays. Oh, same to you. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, does this stock have the legs to run up the charts? Four legs, good. Two legs, bad. Just not in the way it was meant. Stick with Kramer. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We need to talk about the pandemic you haven't heard about, bird flu. Tens of millions of birds have now died, putting major upward pressure on food prices in the U.S. and Europe. You want to know why the price of eggs is soared? Well, it could be the avian influenza. So how did it get this bad, and what can we do about it? To answer these questions, we're consulting with Zoetis, one of the world's largest animal health companies. This is a great long-term story, but like so many growth names, it's a tough time to own swan a little more than 40% for the year with no real reason other than the market's gotten so tough. So we also need to figure out this is an opportunity. Let's think deeper with Kristen Peck. She's the expert. She's the CEO of Zoetis. Find out more about the animal health business, especially with this bird flu epidemic. Ms. Peck, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, first of all, it's great to be back, especially on your new set, Jim. Well, thank it's you. It's great to be talking about an industry whose fundamentals remain very strong and about Zoetis, uh, certainly given our innovation-led uh, portfolio. Well, I thought of you immediately when I read this article about why are eggs, uh, eggs high so much. You're not a politician, so you can actually tell me. The politicians actually argue, but you know the facts. I mean, these are difficult diseases, and you can't necessarily just flick a switch and prevent them. Yeah, so just putting it in context, um, you know, back in 2018, the U.S. lost about 40 million birds to avian influenza. Um, 2022, it's looking like closer to 80 million oh birds. Uh. So it's significantly up. And really, the question is, what's changed? And I think what's fundamentally changed is that avian influenza used to be more seasonal. And now we're seeing it year round, which is having an impact. Um, and that's why I think you're seeing, uh, you know, industries like layers have been disproportionately impacted. Right. If you looked at the entire poultry industry, it's probably less than 1% that's impacted. But it's been a bigger, bigger impact on layers. And that's why you've seen the increased prices of eggs. Are you surprised about the price increases? Do they seem reasonable relative to the problems? Well, right now, the U.S. has lost about 14 percent of the egg-laying chickens. So it's not insignificant. And that obviously supply demand. 
um, has certainly led to increases in prices. And it's, it's really hard for producers uh, when this happens. They really have three tools they can do. They can do eradication is what you're seeing, quarantine or biosecurity. But the issue it really is, is that right now, given the fact that most export countries around the world do not allow the use of vaccines and some interestingly even by law, eradication, quarantine and biosecurity are currently the only tools. Do they consult with you? Because that would seem to be you're an honest broker. So they could ask you, look, what should we do? I mean, I don't even think the Federal Reserve should call you, frankly, because, well, because we're looking for people who tell the truth based on science. And the science says that we, we have real problems. Well, look, we are working and partnering very closely with the USDA and with all of our customers around the world, because this is not just a U.S. problem, um, as you know. And we stand ready to help develop a vaccine, um, should that be what our customers and what the government authorities want. But keep in mind that for most of these major export markets, 25% of the market is exported. And if that became a ban, the increase in prices could be even worse. So that's what's hard. It sounds like an easy fix, but it's actually a little more complicated. All right, let's talk about companion animals, which is why I've been recommending your stock since it was spun up for Pfizer. Uh, the pandemic made them grow. Some people say double digit, and that's got to be great for you. What is your relationship these days uh, with the vets? who are the ones that we come in contact with with Zoetis, and with the population in general. Is it still increasing people who want to have pets? Well, we've seen a significant increase, obviously, in pets uh, through the pandemic. But the more fundamental and structural changes that we're seeing is more millennials and Gen Z are adopting pets. They're adopting more pets. They're spending more time, and they're spending more money on their pets. And these are fundamentals. So as you look at between 2018 and today, Spend per visit and overall revenue in the vet clinics is up 25%. And these are great fundamental drivers for our three biggest franchises in pet parasiticides, in dermatology, and in pain. And each one of those franchises is significant. And we're number one in derm, we're number one in pain, and we're number two in Paris. With your predecessor, I remember talking about the Elizabethan hat that we used to put our dog in. He said one day that would not be the case. So we use your drug. And why does it work? What did you figure out? Well, for starters, we have two drugs. We have Apoquel, which right, is, yep, yep, and Cytopoint, which is a monoclonal antibody. And for starters, itch really is not just an annoyance. It's actually a medical problem. And helping pet owners understand that it is a medical problem and that really there's a great treatment and therapy has been a game changer. As you know, that's now for Zoetis alone over a $1.2 billion business for us, and we are the market leader there. Yeah, I mean, people should understand that you do have blockbusters. I mean, I remember when that was only a couple hundred million, but is it, what does it take for the vets to figure out that what you offer? Is that what it is? It's a, in the same way that you would have to go to a dermatologist to be able to explain to them, look, we've got new things for skin? Well, I think what really makes Zoetis unique is our ability to build markets. So as you look at the dermatology market, that was less than a $100 million market when we launched back in 2015. Right. And now it's over a $1.2 billion market. And that's what Zoetis does. We work with the vet, but also with the pet owners. We do a lot of direct-to-consumer advertising around disease awareness to make sure they know that that is a medical issue and that there is a treatment if they go to their vet. How about the tough ones? Uh, those of us who own pets, they can't talk, but we know that they're sick. What do you recommend? Because you have a lot of things for, for, uh, for dogs and cats that are sick that we don't know. And look, for some of that, the first thing we say is bring your pet to the vet. Right. There's lots of diagnostics, but there's other things we're really doing. You look at the pain area, which is a significant growth driver for us. We have two monoclonal antibodies for pain. 
Labrella for dogs and Silencia for cats. Most dog owners have a pretty good sense, for example, if their dog is in pain. But for cats, they actually hide it really, really well. Yeah. And so what we're working on is helping the pet owner understand the signs of when their cat is in pain. We're using really interesting digital tools to do that, to build the market. Because it is hard, because dogs and cats can't speak, you need to make sure pet owners understand the signs and that the vets are prepared to diagnose and treat. As someone who wants the stock to go higher, and I have from the day that it came public, is there a way to be more clear that some of these really great drugs are Zoetis drugs? Well, we are investing a lot more, and I have to say you've been very good at giving us feedback over the years that we need to get Zoetis's name out there and not just the brand. And now this year, by the way, thanks to feedback from you and many others, all of our commercials now say Zoetis, so they understand that Simperica comes from it, Simperica Trio, Apoquel. So we are really focused on making sure there's consumer and pet owner awareness of the strong franchises and great brands that we have. Well, you have done a great job. One day this market will reward your efforts. It can't do it right now because it's not doing it for anybody. But when it does get better, it will be yours because it it doesn't matter how the economy is. People love their pets and we want to have our livestock to be healthy so that we don't get sick ourselves. That's Christian Peck, CEO of Zoetis, a stock I've liked and a CEO I've liked. And I think that this is one where you think that things are going to calm down. You're going to have the wind at your back because these are great secular trends that she works in. That money's back in. Coming up, don't be jelly. Kramer's got a jam session with a company that's probably been in your pantry. Next. When the averages roll over like they did today, I always like to hunt for the stocks that manage to defy the gravitational pull of the market. And there are some. Stocks like J.M. Smucker, the packaged food company you might recognize as Folgers Coffee, Jif Peanut Butter, and of course, Smucker's Jelly, along with big pet food brands like Milkbone and Meow Mix. I bet you have a lot of this stuff in your pantry, in your, in your kitchen. The food stocks are some of the best safe havens in a world where we're worried about a Fed-mandated recession. And that's how Smucker get this, a new all-time high today, even as many, many, again, the other stocks just really wilted. Last month, these guys reported a magnificent quarter, really one of the best I've seen, aided by their ability to raise price and come up with new popular products. And last week, they had an investor day where management laid out their long-term growth plans. I liked it. I very much like the story here, and it's the right fit for this brutal market. But stock had a spectacular run over the past six months, so we got to ask ourselves, are we too late? And that's why we need to dig deep with Mark Smucker, the chairman, president, and CEO of J.M. Smucker Company, to learn more. Mr. Smucker, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me, Jim. You know, a long time ago, Mark, you told me that one day you'd come on and it would be as if all the brands were gaining share, not losing share, that you weren't static, but you were going places. And you said, look, not yet, but it's going to happen. It did happen, didn't it? It sure did. And, and thank you. You know, really appreciate the recognition. It's it's really comes back to our ability to focus. And even before the pandemic, you know, we were laser focused on optimizing our portfolio, selling off some assets that weren't working and really focusing on those brands like Uncrustables and Bustello, Duncan, our pet snacks brands like Milkbone. Focusing on those is what really led to our our turnaround and growing over 70% of our, our portfolio in terms of maintaining a growing share. 
Now, you've also achieved or exceeded guidance for, I don't know how many companies I know this, at 12 quarters on record. Now, when you do that, it's typically because you have both growth, uh, actual growth in product and price. Do you have a lot of those, a lot of different items where that are growing even as you've had to raise some prices because of inflation? Yes, sir. We, we actually have had to very prudently pass along you know, cost inflation to our customers and our consumers. And we're careful about doing that. But we've been able to do that while still having a very systematic and creative marketing that we put against the brands, which have really connected them to consumers, all the while executing from our supply chain all the way down to the store shelf to make sure that our products are available whenever the consumer wants to buy them. Now, let's talk about the fact that you decided to exit some businesses. I wasn't sure whether it was the right thing to do. Exit private label, dog food, natural balance, natural beverages. I thought these were good businesses, but they didn't fit your profile. No, that's correct. In fact, some of those brands were, were not growing or the categories had shifted significantly. Like if you think about our Pillsbury baking mixes that we sold a couple of years ago, that category wasn't a growing category. And so we recognize that pet snacks and brands like Uncrustables really was where the growth was going to come from. And if we were going to capture that, we had to invest there. And so that's really was what drove the, the shift in our strategy and allowed us to transform. All right. Now, in your at very special investor day, which have a lot of terrific, terrific things about it, you talked about pet uh, and the special bond that between pets and parents. I love that. Coffee category, incredibly strong. I had no idea how much growth there had been. And, of course, snacking, which you also had the tailwind of, uh, of people working at home. So tell us how those came about. How did you pick those categories? And did, is the runway still long for them? Because that will determine in many ways that the, uh, with the stocks going to continue its price movement. Yeah, let's take coffee for an, as an example. You know, we have a leading brand in Folgers. It's a very mature brand, but we also have fast-growing brands like Duncan and Bustelo. At the same time the consumer is premiumizing, they're also going towards single-serve with the Keurig K-Cups. And we are the first and largest partner nationally that Keurig had, which allowed us to shift our portfolio strategically to where the growth is. And so that's what, a, and you know, coffee is a perfect example of where we've been successful there. Well, I want to talk about Postello. Uh, I buy Postello. Uh, and I've, candidly, I had no idea I was, I was buying Smucker. I just said, I'll buy Postello. I saw it on I did the store and I said, well, this looks like a great uh, foreign coffee that's terrific. Now, we know I always used to drink Folgers because that's when you're growing up, you drink Folgers. But Postello was something that I did not think would be in your portfolio. How did you take that leap? Well, we knew that what is unique about Bustelo is its authentic Latin heritage. You know, it was born in New York, but it grew up in Miami. And we have able, been able to capture that authenticity. Our advertising is always bilingual. And where that brand is growing is actually among non-Latino millennials. And it is growing across the entire uh, country. I do expect I actually do expect to see it when I'm in a millennial household because that's what my, the, my kids are. Now, uh, I have cats. I got dogs, got everything. Uh, milk bone, just a traditional meow mix, traditional. And yet these still grow. Yeah, it's been a, a great success story. You know, meow mix was off air for a long time and we brought back fresh, new 
advertising that is relevant in today's culture. And then Milkbone, in addition to, you know, obviously the, the, the branding and the marketing, we were able to premiumize that brand and take it into different spaces like dental chews, longer lasting chews. But the core biscuit is still very healthy as well and growing share. Well, I've got to hand it to you. Uh, it's very rare that someone comes to see me and say, not yet, but we're going to get there. And then you far exceed where you got. So I want to thank you, Mark Smucker, President and CEO of JM Smucker, SJM. Great portfolio, great leadership. Thank you for coming on Man Money. Thank you so much, Jim. Happy holidays. Yeah, same to you. Man Money's back here for the break. Coming up. What's in your mind, America? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Here's And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Let's start with... Uh, Jaden in California. Jaden. Hey, Jim. How are you, buddy? I am well. How about you? What a tough day. So uh, I want to I wanna yeah. speak to you about a Brazilian company, Financial and Tech. It's Fog Seguro. Yesterday, New Street Research upgraded it to a buy at 17. Sales are $2.7 billion. EBITDA is $1 billion and it's trading at one time. But, but we have to remember, we have to remember it's from Brazil. We have to remember it's from Brazil, so therefore it's politically unstable. I hate to just be so broad sweeping as that, but it's like recommending a Chinese stock. These are political issues, and I don't want to get them in on Mad Money. I need to go to Vance in Virginia. Vance! Hi, Jim. Happy holidays from Port of Virginia in Norfolk. Oh, wow. All right. What? Now we're talking. Let's go. What's up? What to do with Zim? Okay, so Zim Zim looks like a great dividend play, but the fact is is that these dividends are variable and can go down, and I don't want you to touch it. I've been avoiding these stocks so far for people, and it's correct that I'm not changing my mind. Let's go to Emil in New York. Emil. Hi, Jim. This is Emil from New York. First time caller, long-time listener, a club member. Excellent. I'm good. Excellent. I'm good. I used to watch your program when the reruns were on 11 p.m. in New York years ago. Oh, Did not know anything I know. About I love that. Market. You know, my dad loved that, too. I, I Well, whatever. That, didn't, that, that went away. How can I help? <laughs> Uh, thank you for all the education. I learned a lot from you. I am in healthcare, uh, filled myself, and in the middle of the pandemic, I bought a stock in this company, which is in teleconferencing. I knew the company. I started using it, liked it a lot, got more interested when they joined or took over the company called Livango, which right. helps managing chronic disease. So I bought right. more aggressively. The stock made a top February of last year around 300 dropped 30% in a week when Amazon entered the field, and he has done nothing but going down steadily. I did not listen right. to you last year on this company, and I sold it. I not know. Sell the I said you had to sell it. I'll tell you why I had to sell it. First, the competition is pure. Second, I think the acquisition was a bad one. Right. Teladoc. Yeah, I think right. the acquisition was right. a bad one. It is Teladoc. Now, at this point... Because uh, I remember when they down. bought Livongo. As soon as I heard that, I said, oh, boy, he's talking Teladoc, and that is not a good company. I feel terrible about that. I've used the product. I like it very much. But it is not a good situation. I am so sorry. Let's go to Samir in Florida. Samir. 
Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Kramer, and thank you very much for all the work you do. Uh, my question is uh, in regard to uh, Global uh, Foundries, Inc., symbol is GFS. I know Global Foundries well. Uh, now, Global Foundries, we heard from Micron today that the industry is a little softer. Now, a lot of that could be related to Samsung. But I have to tell you, my take on Global Foundries is that it is connected with semiconductors. And right now, the complex is for sale. And I never buck when an entire sector is for sale. Let's go to Doug in West Virginia. Doug. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Pro Petro uh, Holding, symbol P-U-M-P. Booyah. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, look, we like we have a very conventional approach. We like the, the uh, oils that pay big yields uh, because they have d- variable dividends. And I'm going to suggest that you buy Pioneer PXD. That's the best one at these prices because they want the highest yield in the S&P. And let's go to Don in Texas. Don. Hello, Jim. I'm a Don, long-term, uh, long-time listener and a first-time caller. Okay. Good to have you. And uh, I want to talk to you or want you to talk to me about a 101-year-old transportation, marine transportation company uh, that does a lot of work on the Mississippi and the Gulf Intercoastal okay. Canal and is getting ready to get involved in uh, building some and what, and what, What's the stock? What's the stock? Huh? The stock is the stock? Kirby Corporation. Oh, okay. It's a barge company. It's good. It's expensive. It's too expensive. It's got I mean, it's a great idea, but you can buy that stock more cheaply if you just wait. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Nobody likes it when institutions go rogue. Didn't like it at Theranos with its phony blood testing technology. The authorities were only brought in after some horrified employees leaked everything to both the government and the press. If they hadn't, for all we knew, the fraud could have kept going on for years. Now we have an even bigger fraud because it has a lot in common with Theranos, I think. Let's face it. The reason Theranos could get away with its fake blood testing technology was because of its pedigree, specifically a Stanford pedigree. They had incredible connections. Their board of directors were filled with former cabinet members, but no real experts on medical technology. Now, with Sam Bankman freed at FTX, we have a similar kind of fraud. No need to say alleged now that he's basically admitted it and his co-conspirators have pled guilty. It's like the financial version of Theranos. SBF's parents were Stanford professors. He went to MIT. His lieutenant, Carolyn Ellison, was another supposed genius from MIT, also the daughter of MIT faculty members. Like Elizabeth Holmes, these kids had everything going for them, everything that you want to be, everything that I want to be, everything your kids want to be, everything. They had everything except honesty. Allegedly, FTX did all sorts of things with other people's money uh, that were so illegal it's almost frightening. We're talking about nearly four years of getting away with financial murder just because they could. Their credentials, including they worked at Jane Street, a very smart hedge fund, indicated to investors that they were fully vetted and going and good to go. But here's where the rubber hits the road. The cryptocurrency world despises regulation. They disdain it like it's some sort of weird obstacle to the future, like it's the enemy of financial innovation. And anyone who wants more regulation must be a Luddite. Unfortunately, an industry with no regulation is a fraudster's paradise. 
From the looks of things, Sam had a touch of alchemy to him. And together with Caroline, they created a lot of money out of thin air. And they got away with it for years because supposedly forward-thinking people in the government figured it was good. We were innovators. The weird thing is, right now, at this very moment, there's a lot still of these things going on. Crypto outfits are creating money all over the place, and others are going along with it. The money, as far as I can tell, is really only useful for ransom payments or money laundering because no real bank or retail is taken anymore. The SEC knows this and wants to do something about it, but they still haven't put an end to the nonsense. We need a sweep. Every one of these guys ought to get knocked to get the midnight knock on the door. I thought they'd act quickly after the kingpin of this funny crypto edifice admitted to bilking everyone. Now maybe... This is a Bernie Madoff situation. Maybe it's a one-off scoundrel that wasn't tied in with anybody else. But I doubt it. I think this kind of thing is endemic in crypto because everybody in crypto says regulation is unnecessary. And the regulators are a gang of fools, they think, standing in the way of great financial innovation. There's a whole crypto ideology that's about escaping from government control. And it doesn't exactly lend itself to law-abiding behavior. Plus, if FTX hadn't gone under, they'd still be getting away with it. If these people think they can get away with financial murder, some of them, of course, will keep committing financial murder. So if the regulators don't speak up soon and end this unregulated charade, then then people will keep getting robbed. Believe me, if you're a true believer in crypto, there are more Sam Bankman Freeds out there who see you as nothing more than a willing mark. Don't let them con you out of your money and don't count on the government to save you. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.